Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the WP Builds Podcast. I think I'm getting a little bit excited about this one. It is entitled How to Be Authentic and Produce Lots and Lots of Content with Bob WP. Bob Don. I'm um, a big fan of Bob Don's and so I was very pleased to get him on the podcast. It was published on the 12th of April 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined a little bit later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com. As always, please go over to the podcast episodes on wpbuilds.com, click on all the buttons, um, especially the iTunes one, and give us a five-star review. We'd really like that. There's a Facebook group that you can join. There's well over a thousand of us now. Um, and you can find that by going to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. If you go to forward slash subscribe, you'll be able to get onto our newsletter. Forward slash advertise if you're feeling very generous and you'd like to help us out advertise on the podcast. We now put these episodes out on YouTube and you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash YouTube. Um, we've got a competition on at the moment. If you go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash win, there's still an opportunity to get um, a Smart Slider 3 Pro license. So go over there, check it out, enter the competition. There's one more week of that remaining. Okay, so in a moment we'll get stuck right into it. We've got the discussion coming up in a minute. We're talking about GDPR and what we're telling our clients, or cough in my case, what we're not telling them. We've got the conversation with Bob WP, hooray, and finally at the end, uh, David Wormsley and I talk again about focusing on one thing at the exclusion of all others and how it turns out that that's the way we view our screens. Okay, first a little word about uh, Bob. I don't know if you've come across Bob, but uh, really you should have done. He's prodigious uh, in the amount of content that he produces. And I've been a big fan of his for ages. So, yeah, please stay around for that. But first of all, it's going to be me and David talking about GDPR. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello. In this discussion, we're talking about GDPR and what we are telling our clients. So GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation, new EU regulation coming in on May the 25th, 2018. So, Nathan... We're supposed to be prepared for this, are you? No. <laughs> End <laughs> of discussion. No, I'm really not actually. I, I'm um, I'm quite a big follower of it because the 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 articles that I read uh, in preparation for the news section that I put together, which goes out on a Monday. This this is everything now. GDPR has become the the story. It's almost like Brexit, which is dominating the British news. It's a bit like GDPR is dominating the WordPress and internet news. And I'm reading lots and lots about it. And um, it kind of leads me down two paths, really. The first path is to get myself all ready and pay attention and do everything that's that's happening. And the other path is kind of lethargy and, well, well let's just see and wait and see what happens. Mm. And I'm opting for the second path, um, which is the not a very cautious approach, but I'm going for the let's just wait, see how the land lies, 
don't do anything massively just yet. And frankly, my um, my customers have not been reaching out to me. My clients haven't been asking me. One has. So I replied with exactly that. You know, I don't think you need to freak out. Um, let's just wait and see what happens. But my clients um, are not very... Um, there lots of brochure sites and that kind of thing. So there's, there's maybe a contact form on there. Um, and that's about it. So... Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm being cautious. What about you? Yeah. Do you know what? I think you were the first person who even mentioned it to me and because I kind of cut off the news. I don't really see stuff. So it's only you. And it's also some of our friends as well who've had to deal with clients coming to them asking about it. But I, I haven't got a sense of it, really. I mean, you, you know, I guess you watch uh, UK TV. So do you, is there anything you would get from that? Is there anything from the newspapers or yeah, yeah, is it? it- it has kind of become a bit of a talking point. So, for example, you know, it's the kind of thing that if you work in a business, by now it's quite likely that you'll have hired a consultant um, or at least possibly sent one of your employees off to some training about it, that kind of thing. Um, and on the, at the WordCamp that I went to in London last year, Heather Burns um, spoke about it and she spoke about it again um, at WordCamp in Manchester. And, and I know that she's very busy um, talking about it um, so it's definitely in everybody's minds and really the idea is is a sensible one I get it it makes perfect sense because we're in this it kind of feels almost like we're in the wild west of the internet you know it's the beginning of something we mm. we embarked upon the internet and then cookies were invented and then tracking came from cookies mm. and and all of a sudden we're in this situation where we've decided over the last eight, 10 years that we're going to give an awful lot of personal data over to websites um, and services that we that we know nothing about. Um, and the European Union has decided, actually, it's probably time to rein that in a little bit and have a little bit more oversight. So that's what the legislation is about. It feels to me that it can be interpreted one of two ways. You know, everybody run around with your hair on fire, freak out <laughs> because... This is going to be law, so it needs to be dealt with. And, and it's important to realise that it's not just law for people in the EU. It's, it's for anybody who deals with EU citizens, although I still have no way of figuring out how they would compel US citizens to obey this law. But there you go. Um, mm-hmm. But also it kind of feels like um, something that we, we don't need to worry about too much, even though it's going to be law, because I, on the other hand, I really can't see how this stuff's going to be enforceable anyway. Um, I can't imagine them coming after me, for example, because I'm just small fry. Mm, yeah. Do you know what? It's um, interesting because we must be, you know, me and my colleague, we must have well over 100 sites out there, you know, that we're, we were responsible for building in some form or another. But there's only one a client that's come to her because it's a church site that she she deals with herself that has, has talked about it. They've got their own uh, protection officer, which surprises me because looking at who which companies need a, a data protection officer, I don't think they come under that because they don't advertise uh, to people their church and they don't gather information for that, which is my understanding where you might need one but yeah nothing but they've gone to town of course there (laughs) it's somebody's job you know so they love it somebody retired in the church uh they love going through the legislation Mm. i mean it um it, it it feels to me like i could distill the whole of the gdpr into five different things and i know i won't manage all of these five off the top of my head but i'm going to try it kind of feels like number one 
you need you need a policy in place so that um, should any of this come to bite you, you can whip that policy out and demonstrate to somebody that that, that you've thought about it. But also you can follow down the policy uh, if there's a data breach and go through all the points and, and, act, and act upon them. Number two, you need to be able to um, allow subscribers to unsubscribe from your list. And also, number three, um, get any data that you hold upon them by requesting it. Um, number four, oh, I've gone blank. What's number four and five? Um, I think, yeah, so the right to be forgotten is one of the key ones, isn't it? So, yeah, that's in a way like opting out of mail stuff, but it's it's allowed to be forgotten in any of your sort of records. Mm. Slightly different. Yeah, I've, mm. I've forgotten what they are, but essentially that that kind of sums it up nicely. Um, yeah, and yeah. You've, you've got more. to... Got, oh, there is, isn't there? But I've, I've forgotten. Yeah, what it, data, data breaches. We got. Oh, that's it. Know if yeah, the data breach. Yeah. So if your site yeah. is compromised and you know about it, then you have to um, get out an email or something to everybody to say this sort of stuff um, has been taken. So, so yeah, and to, the, the kind of sites that I'm building, um, it feels. In, I know I should be taking it seriously, and please don't, please forgive me for not running around with my hair on fire, but. Um, the the most we usually have is a, a little contact form. You know that the people will be looking at the site. It'll be a brochure site with a few pages, um, and there'll be a contact form. and And I have actually gone through quite a few of my sites, and it, it would appear anyway. The contact form is very is very poorly used. Um, you know, they make a big deal of their telephone number, so that's probably the primary way that people are getting in touch with them. Um, but we, we had a discussion a moment ago thinking about w what would it mean for somebody using Contact Form 7 or somebody using Gravity Forms or many, one of the many form plugins. Does this retain data? Does it hold it in plain text? Can you expunge it from the UI um, and so on? And, and actually, David, I'm staring at the database right now and, and it looks like it does hold those email addresses in plain text. I can't actually see them. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Um, but I mean, not that that would make a great deal of difference because they'd have to get to your, your database anyway. But um, the, the fact that it, to me and my clients, it would be very, very simple so long as they didn't um, delete um, via the, the WordPress UI, if they didn't delete all of the um, contact forms entries, they could simply yeah. download that as a you know as a CSV file and then literally handcraft an email to each one of those. And in my case, it's probably going to be a, a few dozen, maybe a few hundred emails to send out, which is no big deal. But it yeah. it feels to me like this legislation isn't for my clients so much. It's more for the people who are sucking an awful lot of data. You know, they don't just want to know what your email address is and what time you're available for a meeting and, and what you want. They want uh, they want to go after the, the people like um, Google and Facebook who are gathering way more details than just an email. Mm. I mean, my feeling is, you know, as an ex-civil servant, is that with a lot of this legislation, the, the, the end goal is often just to get a culture change, just to get everybody thinking about the data that we now store. And I think, you know, because I, I would be surprised actually if they did go after Google or something like that. It's quite difficult, I think, for governments, because if they go to court, there's unlimited damages, which makes them make sure. And that's, I don't know, this is, I think, the key thing about this one. What has been hitting the headlines, as I understand it, is really the 20 million euro fines that could be enforced upon uh, 
those companies who who aren't um, uh, kind of up to date on this kind of stuff. So I think that's been the thing that's been leading a lot of people to sell services and to keep, if you like, promoting that end fine. But I don't think it, it I think it's very unlikely to see that happen. Yeah, I think so. Largely. I mean, certainly for somebody like me. I guess I guess there are instances, though, where we we give over a very large amount of our data. So I guess the, the perfect example would, would be Facebook, which as we're recording this interview, uh, sorry, this mm. discussion is really in the news because Mark Zuckerberg's been up in front of um, Congress and, and what have you. Um, because they, they don't really just hold data. They kind of hold the keys to unlocking what we really do with our lives, you know, where we go, who we talk to, the kind of um, the kind of political persuasion or possibly orient, you know, sexual orientation and all of those kind of things. They've got a lot of that. And it feels to me like this, these laws drawn up by important people in important political positions are trying to, to regulate that kind of stuff. You know, a few years ago, do you remember there was that dating website um, which um, promoted sort of promiscuity and cheating on your wife. can't remember what the name of that oh. website was. I think it was based somewhere in North America. I can't remember. But their database was leaked. And obviously that that had huge implications because you'd, you'd signed up for the service, obviously done something that perhaps you should be ashamed of. Um, and then, it you know, a lot of marriages and whatnot broke up because of that, because the data wasn't held tightly enough. So I can see from that point of view, as we surrender more and more about ourselves and our, our mobile phones keep a track of where we are and who we're talking to and, you know, the little Google Home or the Amazon Alexa is collecting data about what you sound like and the kind of voice requests that you do and possibly listening to conversations that are going on in your house, this data... Um, does need to be locked down so it feels to me that's where this legislation is is going yes i think it well it has to be there doesn't it i mean for the uk at least uh, there's always been data protection but it's out of date because i think it was 98 when they they last had regulations and obviously the net has changed since then but also all the other things which apply at least to us in the uk and they have the equivalents in the us things like freedom of information act this is all incorporated and i think one thing I think governments have to create this because at the end of the day, it's very expensive for the EU to have, I think, something like 28 different sort of data protection organizations mm. out there with different rules. So I think a lot of what we're hearing from this is is updated, but also is just an amalgamation of stuff that's already been there. I mean, and, and also the fear aspect, something that gets me on this is that in the UK, we're all supposed to be registering ourselves to the information commissioner's office any of us who you know hold any information on our community on our computers about um the people we do business with but you know it's only got like half a million people on that register but there's five and a half million businesses out there in the uk so it's illegal not to be on that register but i would guess most businesses aren't you know <laughs> it feels a bit like think... history repeating itself doesn't it um yeah. you know with the cookie law that we had I, yeah. i'm guessing that was was that a european thing or did that stretch to north america as well or was that just even a british thing 
No, it, it was an EU thing. Okay. Um, but again, this is absolutely quite because that was 2012 and we see exactly the same thing going on. But also there was an 11th hour U-turn, which makes, you know, our decision to, if you like, bury our heads a little bit and see how it pans out is not such a bad idea. Because <laughs> if we'd have followed the the EU cookie law of 2012, we would have been implementing a lot of stuff which wasn't required in the end, like we had to have option uh, an opt-in before you could drop any cookie but you know what? Do you know what? That's the interesting thing on this one is that that again, because what we're trying to do with this one is look at what is personal data. And anybody who stores or collects that data needs to act responsibly in the way that we've just sort of lined out. But where it gets really knotty or where you can go down the rabbit holes is when you go into the bit that is classed as online identifier as personal data. Mm. And that would include cookies. So by the by the fact that you're supposed to get consent for an online identifier, which cookies is included, means that you would need to have an opt in. But <laughs> if we look at the ICO's own site at the moment, which must be compliant as they see it, it doesn't require you to do an opt in. You know, it's not going back to the cookie law of 2012 before the U-turn It is as it is now where it drops the cookie and lets you know it's done it. Maybe they're waiting until the twenty fifth of May, David. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. ICO is the, uh, the 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 UK body which oversees all of yes. this. ICO, um, and it oversees all of this sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not just. I mean, the the the, the reach of the the legislation is enormous, though, isn't it? Because it's not just cookies or email addresses or names or telephone numbers. I mean, it, it, as far as I remember, if I'm correct, it even stretches to things like you know scooping up your IP address. Because obviously your IP address could be a, a personal identifier. In my case, my um, my home where I'm where I'm recording this has a, has a unique IP address, and it's absolutely my own. So if any traffic comes via that IP address, it's completely bound to me. Um, and so it, it it is rather broad. Um, I know that in our in our communities on Facebook, we've had quite a few intelligent, certainly more intelligent than my position, um, people who've written documents explaining very very coherently look you've on your website is this plugin and this plugin is doing this and this and this you've got this plugin and it's doing this this and this and you've got this plug so they're they're letting their clients know um a la carte if you like what what the site that they're handing over um is doing for them i think yes. that would be quite a nice um that would be a nice way for plugin developers of anything which is like a f sucking in this stuff, you know, um, contact form data or even, you know, supplanting cookies onto the site and so on and so forth. It would be good if they had a little bit on the, you know, the WP repo or buried in their site somewhere, which you could just copy and paste into something like that, which says this is what our plugin does um, in order to, you know, make an email that you would send out to your clients nice and easy to generate. That would be a good thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I borrowed that idea. I mean, I did a video for for my clients, which I, I made, and I create the page as well, which, if you like, I was opting out of taking responsibility for GDPR. I was just saying, look, I use these services, and this is what we do with our backups of your information. Yeah. And, you know, I can't take responsibility for things which I... I don't control. So an example of that would be WordPress itself. You know, it's a blogging platform which, you know, collects people's comments, 
but presently by default it doesn't allow a way for you to ask for permission to gather that information mm. so wordpress itself 30 percent of the internet you know is not gdpr compliant as such and so that's my example if you like with other things as well you know to say why well, i can't take responsibility but here's what we use <laughs> you know yeah i think it's quite a nice it's almost like a little nice side shift isn't it if you do simply say you know you've got wordpress these are the plugins and this is what they purport to collect um we're not doing the hosting uh, which in my case <clears throat> i am um so you know your data's held on this facility you can go and look at their website and see how they've complied um these are the plugins and if, if any of that doesn't make sense you need to come back to us and and we'll talk about it later yeah there's uh, two friends of ours we could talk about them without naming them that have had legal advice in some form one of them who's paid for it themselves they've got a couple of hours of a lawyer good lawyer according to them people who have represented utility companies so they're not what they're talking about and they're uh, in their kind of advice to our friend was, well, don't worry about it too much. Understand the basics, the stuff we've covered there and try and implement that as best as possible. It's not really aimed at you, like pretty much what you're saying. But then on the other side, we have another friend who looks after an e-commerce uh, shop for someone and has for years and takes care of their hosting through a third party. But they've got the lawyers in and they've gone down all of the kind of rabbit holes, the areas where it's more tricky. So he's going to receive a, a hundred plus page report from them about what his responsibilities are. Oh, that would just terrify <laughs> me. But also it's, it is, yeah. you know, we, we learned from him that it, it, it does cause him to, you know, pause and worry mm -hmm. and, you know, possibly change his business. Whereas the, the other person that you mentioned, everything seems mm -hmm. to be a ship shape, you know, we'll just carry on as normal. Um, mm. which again illustrates perfectly how bizarre all this stuff is. You've got I, professional lawyers <laughs> both saying seemingly diametrically opposed things. Yeah. I mean, you know what I've told our folks, because the same as you um, with the brochure sites mostly, the contact form is going to be the weak point. Mm. And there are a couple of sites where we have pre-ticked opt-ins to MailChimp, which yep. is something which uh, the Information Commissioner's Office, I think, have been quite clear that we shouldn't do because that's not really asking for somebody to give their consent. Is it so okay it if you did a double opt-in, if they then, upon submitting that form, yeah. got another email which said, you know, from MailChimp, said, um, uh, you're, we're, gonna, we're thinking about putting you on this list, but you'll have to push this button. That would, that would be okay, would it? <laughs> Well, I would have thought so, but the thing mm. is, that's the one thing that they've been clear on. But again, like you've just said, there's there's a grey area there because, to to my mind, it's okay to pre-tick those things because ultimately, with the double opt-in, they give the permission to to Mailchimp, you know, to yes. gather that information. Yes. Uh, so I, you know, I think even <laughs> even when there's things that seem clear of what we must do as businesses, they're they're less clear the mm. more we dig. Um, Yes, it's a great example, I think. God, it's um, real thorny stuff, isn't it? Um, I, yeah. I'm, I think, having had this conversation with you, I think the approach that I'm going to take is I'm going to wait until mid-May mid um, and be compiling a document of the likes that you said you'd sent out, listing mm. the typical plugins that we used. Um, because of the nature of the fact that each website is, is different, I'll probably amass a fairly big list um, yes, and then maybe somehow figure out some sort of mail merge or something and send it out as a document. 
um, and say, you know, if you've got any concerns, come back to us. But this is the sort of stuff that you've got to be thinking about. But I think because they're just ordinary business people, they're probably not too worried about it. Um, and yeah, that's that's going to be my approach. Contact them before the deadline. Say, this is what we're doing. If you've got any concerns, come back to us. But I, I don't feel um, particularly well armoured to answer any complicated questions that might come back. I feel almost like I'd have to bat them off and sort of say I don't yeah. know the answer to any of those, which seems a bit of a shame. Even though I've attended a few talks about it, I still don't feel I could answer the questions honestly because I'm not really sure um, what the law tells us we have to do. And, you know, if if opposing lawyers are telling people opposite things, it, it feels that maybe even the lawyers don't yet know. Yeah, I think so, because it's the technical side of things, isn't it? And so you know what governments are trying to do with this, and it's a good thing. We do need to be more responsible. And largely it's is about what you said earlier, the auditing, knowing where our data is. And and even doing that for myself, I realised, gosh, this is quite complex. I have, you know, some servers which I'm renting, and then they are managed as well by other companies. But I have things like Mailgun, which sends mm. out the emails. Mm. And I'm not quite sure where, because there's one other little element, another gray area, which gets really tricky with this, which is um, uh, data transfer outside of the EU approved authorities. Yep. Um, uh, that's, uh, I actually not quite sure where any data is moving around the world at any point. I think the big companies have all um, either using already European data centers, but but I know that a few of them, for example, I think Microsoft just simply bought um, a European data center to sort of mitigate this problem. But obviously, you right. know, startups can't do that. Um, most companies probably can't do that. But then if you use a platform like um, AWS or Azure mm. or Google um, Cloud Services, then presumably there's boxes that you can tick that say, look, I want, I want all my data about anybody who checks that they're living in the EU to be stored on European services. Oh, boy, it gets complicated. <laughs> in a, in a way, I feel that... That, that being a WordPress person, just selling brochure sites, I, I really genuinely don't think that there's that anybody's coming after me and I don't think it's anything to worry about. I'll come back from WordCamp, which is um, this weekend, and I'll be I'll be shivering. Um, I'll be a shivering mess because I'll realise, <laughs> oh, I'm so wrong. I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, all I've done with mine is just say, look, here we are. We keep this many backups. So that's that's the stuff that people might have emailed you. You might want to clear out your uh, Google, your... Um, gravity forms information every so often but and also that they might want to send when somebody sends them an email they might want to put something in the footer that says you know it, your right is to have your data removed if you like so let us know and that probably covers that right to be forgotten and i think there's you know very simple things we can do just to abide by those basic things the right to be forgotten and and that will let people know about data breaches i, I love the data. irony of having a contact form get in touch with us if you'd like your data to be expunged <laughs> and you just created a, another point of, <laughs> of reference <laughs> do you know what i did my video which I, I i was reasonably pleased with it and um i got nothing back apart from my brother who cited that I look after and he says what do I do about my notebook that I keep my appointments in <laughs> that was oh, it does it does it um does it have teeth in the real world you know it's not is it just electronic data or is it ledgers you know things that are old-fashioned copy books and things I wonder that could be interesting you've got to be able to 
you go burn the copybook or something <laughs> in, in sight of a lawyer. Oh dear! Right. So the uh, the truth is, we don't know enough. We're we're waiting and seeing, and we're we're taking a a sort of cautionary approach. But I do like your idea of contacting the client, and I will do that. I think. Right. Are we done? We're done. Okay. <laughs> in which case, we will go um, to the interview. Yay! Hello, I'd like to welcome to the podcast today um, somebody that actually, it turns out, we've been trying to get on the podcast for, well, it's basically a year, but it's not because um, because of any sort of um, estrangement or difficulty. It's basically because I moved house and then we forgot that we were going to do it. And then we <laughs> it's kind of reconnected recently. It's Bob. It's Bob Don, Bob WP. Hi, Bob. Hey, Nathan, I am so glad you reconnected. You know, it was like one of those things we were just, yeah, we were struggling to, you know, you had things going on. And then uh, unfortunately, you didn't get me when I was moving, which wasn't just a matter of about two and a half, three months ago. So oh. so the timing was perfect. Yeah, there's very few times that I can honestly hand on heart say that I've been uh, quite good at keeping track of things. But this podcast, I'm I'm trying, I'm trying my best, and so things oh, like man. this, I'm trying not to let them go through the cracks. But yeah, so I've got Bob on to talk today. Um, now, if you haven't heard of Bob, uh, Bob WP, Bob Don, then frankly, you're you're probably not really trying very hard uh, <laughs> with WordPress because Bob is. I think actually, Bob, it's fair enough to say that you you produce more content than any other person in our space i i would imagine that's true um, yeah it's you know there might be some competition i guess depending what how you look at the content and stuff but i yeah i've been trying to stay pretty consistent for some time and yeah. you know whether that's a um it's a, a badge to wear or or something to say i'm just playing out crazy you know i'm not sure which one it is but but i'll accept either one so yeah but i mean the, well we'll get onto that a little bit later but i i would i came from drupal as the people who listen to this podcast will know i came from drupal about oh three years ago and at the time when i was sort of moving everything over to wordpress i was listening to drupal podcasts and i needed to supplant one for the other and it was you know, it didn't take me long to come across your stuff. And so I've been listening to your stuff on and on, on and off, on and on, actually, for about three years. And it really does. It's an incredible, you know, you never basically stop. So I guess that's my first thing. How how on earth did you, well, how on earth did you fall into making content? What You know, I read your biography on your website. You've got a very short one. And obviously you fell into WordPress, but falling into WordPress for most people is using it and designing stuff. What what made you decide to uh, put pen to paper or turn a microphone on? Yeah, I think what happened is when we first got into WordPress, which was about 10 years ago or 11, 2007, it was looking at the blogging aspect of it. You know, I was running a design business and I thought, I like this idea of blogging to kind of yeah, to share your expertise, to, you know, give people a little extra content on your site that just come and look at your services. So that was the initial draw. Then as I started getting into it more and more and my background was design and marketing, I found that I liked the teaching part of it. Mm. And then with the teaching was, you know, in-person teaching, uh, some online teaching, even way back then, but then there was teaching, you know, through content. 
And it just melded over the years, more and more of the content. I started to focus more on the blogging part of the site because I was seeing the results. I mean, it was something I enjoyed doing, something that was bringing traffic and also it was something I could, you know, when I went to workshops, yeah, okay, if you want to know about this, I've got this post and this post. So it was always perfect hand in hand. My wife is the writer of the family. Yeah. I mean, she's she's been writing a long time. So she helped me, I guess, to actually love writing more and more because the more I did it, the less she, I mean, she still edits my stuff, but she doesn't have to quite edit as much as she used to in the old days. So she's taught me a lot about writing and it just, it, yeah, it just became naturally where that became a bigger and bigger part. And there was always that desire to, you know, how much of this stuff could I just produce? I mean, I just love to do this mm. full time. And there's always that thing of actually having to make a living and even you know sometimes there's still challenges in the in this kind of the position I'm in but I just wanted you know I I just loved it I loved putting content out and I think it all kind of boils back to that um, even though I wasn't a trained teacher my wife has the master's in education I guess she was an influence on me in so many ways that you know I when I got into the teaching mode as far as just working with people, hearing them get excited when they learn something, that pushed me more and more to put out more and more content. And it just was, okay, I can continue that, but I can do it through the blog and through podcasts versus going and teaching workshops. Yeah. Well, when you started doing all of this, you, know, you sort of mentioned 2000 and something, um, was there a path at that time to kind of make this profitable if you know what I mean was that something that was in the front of your mind or was it purely well I'm just enjoying this and people are getting knowledge from it maybe something will come down the road or, or did you have a an approach of yeah I, I would I'll do this because something something lucrative or you know profitable not necessarily lucrative but will come down the road in the future yeah, I think it always was, I'm a very flexible person and I twist and turn with things that happen. You know, when something needs to be changed, I don't sit there and dwell on it. So during all that time that I was, you know, from the beginning when I was using content to help basically promote our business, I didn't really think of, oh, you know, I'm going to make it become more of my business and less of the design that mm. just came over time. Yep. And, and, and I tried a lot of things. I mean, I've, you know, it's funny cause somebody will come to me and say, have you, you know, have you considered doing this, Bob? Yeah, I've done that, been there. So it's like, <laughs> I go down this list, you know, online courses, webinars, I've done all that stuff and I've learned, I've experimented, I found what hasn't worked or what has worked. So there was never a, a path. It was always, you know, I would get to a point and I would think, okay, you know, this particular piece isn't working anymore, anymore. or for example, my design, I just became tired. I'd done this mm. design and I'd done it in print, you know, for years. So a total of, you know, 20 plus years in design and I was just getting tired of it. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that's, I, I can't have that attitude of, oh, no, the design job when somebody hires me. So I thought, you know, how can I start moving what I've already created into filling more of my space? So it's, yeah, it's been a constant morphing and not so much. Um, I, and I think there was probably a point where I said, 
okay, I got to start monetizing this because mm. this is what I want to do. So I did have to kind of plan that. But again, it was experimenting with different ways of monetizing. Yeah, I, I have no idea why we started this podcast. It certainly wasn't um, in order to make a profit or anything like that. I think I think we just do it because it's fun at this point. I think mm. it would be nice at some point if that were to change. Well, not that it becomes less fun, but you know, that there was some sort of career path in it. But at the moment, it's, I think where, where you were about, well, about eight years ago or something, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we got a lot to learn. Um, <laughs> when, when you, when somebody like me looks at somebody like you, uh, you know, you see the website and all the posts and the gargantuan amount of content, it, it, sometimes somebody like me might get the impression that it's been, you know, smooth sailing, you know, everything's been fine. There's been no bumps in the road because look, the con- the content is constantly coming out. Have there been times when it's been hard or when you've been struggling to 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 keep balance or to produce content or anything like that oh yeah it's Mm. it's it i don't want to say it's a constant thing but it's it is something to always how can i say okay so for example you know like i said i've tried different things i mean we've tried I've tried um, three membership sites and I learned that that wasn't for me and the direction I went and, you know, maybe the timing, there were different things that, no, this isn't working. So I flipped the switch on those. It's like, they're done. They're gone. You know, they, Mm. yeah, they would have been essentially great, but I'm not going to just beat it to death. So yeah, there's been, and there's times even, you know, sometimes I'll, even with the podcast, you know, oh man am I really up to doing another podcast today? Um, Mm. or, you know, I've got some content coming up. Sometimes the content just flows out. And as much as, you know, I have an editorial calendar, I have things, but it's constantly changing. It's not like set in stone. It's okay. Well, this, yeah, this post is, why did I even think of this? It sounded great. Now it's (laughs) off, you know, so, so there is nothing, nothing is smooth and smooth sailing it's just you know sometimes i get on good rolls yeah i'll i'll you know just push out a bunch of content um ideas come to me and then there's those point times that you just think my you know i just can't think of anything and i just sit this at this computer and it's like my mind is just blank and i'm thinking yeah i got content to do here when when you um now that you're in a slightly different position where you've got uh, the, the whole week to to produce content, it may be slightly different. But if we go back several years to the time when you were still being a, a designer and, and doing the, the regular stuff that I, I still do, um, did you did you struggle to sort of manage those? Or did you, well, as an example, I, I spend way more time than I should on this podcast. And I'm constantly beating myself up on it, thinking, actually, I really should be spending time building the sites that I'm paid to do. <laughs> Did you have any of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, that's good. It, it is tough when, I mean, yeah, it gives you, you know, when you've got the, you know, you decide this is the direction, this is a model I'm going to do, you have the time. Uh, yeah, when I was doing, you know, when we were running and doing websites, I wasn't blogging. Maybe I'd try to blog once a week, you know, do a post up. Uh podcasting i actually was asked to um i had two colleagues back in 2010 i think it was that said you got to start a podcast bob and i said you know why and they said well it'd be great for your business you got the right voice for it they were you know just kind of 
misogyny. Say so you got to do it. One of them had <laughs> been a podcaster for a while, so they had me come to their workshop, and I, I it really was intriguing to me this whole podcasting thing. And and afterwards, you know, it was like, okay, well, this is good, but I seriously don't have the bandwidth for this. Mm. I just. I, I just can't do it. And so, you know, from 2010, then in 2014, I did my first podcast. So mm. it took me four years to take that piece back around. And yeah, it's, th this stuff is time consuming. I mean, all of it. And I talk to pe people that are running business, writing plugins, you know, s selling products and services. And they say, you know, how do you do this? It takes me like, I'm writing this 500 word post. It's taking me like four hours. <laughs> And, you know, it, it's it's just like anything. I do it a lot and I've done it a lot. So that yeah. practice is perfect. I mean, you know, and it is a, it's a tough balance. And I, I, I yeah, I, I definitely couldn't put out the amount of content I am doing now with any. I mean, it, to me, I, I would think it'd be literally impossible because yeah. of the time I spend yeah. in all the different, um, you know, pieces of it producing it marketing it whatever yeah i noticed that in the very recent past within the last year i'd say you uh you made the decision to go entirely all in on content so content is it now that's that's what you do um and so at that point i guess your productivity rates went through the through the roof and looking at your website now it is it's ridiculously prodigious you know there's, there's a piece of content i mean basically it's every other day isn't it there's a large piece of content written by <laughs> yeah, you including yeah, screenshots yeah. and and then there's all the the four count them four podcasts that you're involved in um what what would you i mean to me when i produce this podcast which lasts about an hour i think it takes me about six in terms of every single bit lining up, you know, from booking people to getting on the phone and writing the emails and then editing it all. Am I doing, is that pretty bad or is that about right? You know, I know a lot of, I mean, when I was doing my first podcast that started out as the Do The Woo podcast, went into the e-commerce podcast, mm. and I was also, you know, getting sponsorships for that at that time. Yeah, I, I spent, I mean, I wrote a post on the, my process. I mean, you know, besides, like you said, just getting things in place, then I went through and I edited it and, you know, I took out all the stuff. I really cleaned it up nicely. I put intros and outros and I, it was, it was, it was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then the actually, you know, finalizing the file, I put it like through, um, from Camtasia into, um, GarageBand into Aphonics and then, you know, yep. up to wherever it goes. Yep, and yep. it was, yeah, it was a lot. And I still do some of that. But at the, you know, now it's like, okay, I've got this much content. None of my podcasts I've decided are on a regular or real regular basis. Like they're not, you yeah. know, every week at this time. So I do them as I do them. They're part of my whole content network or whatever you want to call it. Mm. And I'm, I've become a lot less pecky. And I've found that a lot of people say, hey, you know, I like it just, I like it a little rough around the edges, you know, I yes. don't need it so polished. Yes. And as long as you, you know, got decent sound, I think that's, you know, critical. I mean, you don't want to be cutting in and out, have people, you know, having that kind of an issue. But beyond that, it's like, I think we can spend too much time working on that and getting all this equipment and having just a fine, you know, having mixers that do this and that. And yeah. it's like, 
my God, you know, what are you doing, people? Yeah, the, the you know, content. You're, is, you're yeah. not NPR or something. You know, you're not <laughs> something that it's you're just putting out something and people aren't going to, you know, leave because you're using this mixer or not. So do, do you so, script yeah. everything then or do you sit down, got an idea, press go and hope for the best mostly? I mean, obviously, you know, your, your stuff requires you to have thought about it because inevitably it would be a... 20 second episode if (laughs) if not but do you do you just wing it mostly or are you very much right here's this here's this well i think i know the answer but let's ask you anyway yeah you know now for the one podcast the e-commerce one i i basically just put the questions down yeah and i do that primarily to give to the guests because some people are fine with hey i don't need to know what you're going to ask me others yeah they want to prepare so it's a courtesy. I put the questions together uh, with the other ones. It's none of it's scripted. So it is basically just working around four or five topics. And, you know, I, I'm finding myself more and more straying from those mm. and letting it go. And I let the I let the person know if you want to go off on a tangent or there's something, you know, don't think you have to just answer this question, you know, yeah. and if one of them doesn't work or something, we don't get to it, we're not going to sweat it. So I'd like to be a little bit more like, okay, let's just go with the flow and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, it's, I think that's the way I do it. Um, having said what you've just said, I completely realized I haven't shared any of my questions with you, <laughs> which I've actually got it written in front of me. Um, I must try harder. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, I kind of figured I, you I were like the kind of person surprised. that would wing it anyway. You've got the... You've got all the. It feels to me like you know when you went to that conference and your body said to you, "You got the right voice and the right temperament." It kind of feels there's some there's quite a lot of truth in that. Um, in that, I think you've got. Well, I know you've got exactly the right personality. The, the, the your lilt and your uh, your accent and your inflection and you have got a nice deep voice and all of that. Um, and you choose your words very well and all of all of that stuff kind of draws me in. Um, and yet we're constantly hearing all the time about, you know, everybody should be doing a podcast and promoting their business. I'm not sure that everybody should be doing a podcast. I think I think it does take a certain type of person to, to pull it off. Do you, do you agree or? You know, I think so, because I've had a few people and I've actually had a few people that say, oh, I want to do it. I don't want to do it. And they're primarily concerned about their voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I say, well, you know, if it, if that's the only thing, you know, I don't know, unless you have a really, I, I hate Donald Duck voice. Of course, that <laughs> might even work too. I don't know. But, but I think it does. It does take, um, that, and I think that's, it's, it's like anything that you do, whether you're doing video or you're doing live video, once you do it, you're going to, find, you know, if it becomes a real suffering, um, episode of, you know, anxiety for you, then yeah, probably that is not the thing to do. Mm. You know, it's, I mean, if it's, but if it goes smoothly for you and you know, it's, it's almost one of those things where it's hard to know till you do it. Yeah, that's right. I, I and I, and then again, that's not really the best way because you don't want to start some in two episodes into it. Go, Ugh. but <laughs> I, I I tell people, you know, get on and be a guest on a podcast or two, yeah. see how that feels, and yeah. kind of you know try to put yourself in the other person's place and see if there would be a comfort level there for you and just how you interact with people. You know, I've, I've when I was picking Brad, um, 
um, Williams from Web Dev Studios for one of my, as a co-host, I was going through my brain, all the people that I knew that had some knowledge of e-commerce. There were several people that I really liked, but I thought just didn't quite mesh. I thought that's just not going to quite work for the podcast part of it Mm. because I just, you know, either their personality I didn't feel like would be complimentary, you know, we wouldn't be able to compliment each other or, um, it just seemed like they were, I I don't want to say, you know, they weren't the most, um, audio, uh, friendly type of person, you know, kind of like just a straight tone voice that I yeah. thought, you know, that's, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. There's not, there's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because there's not a lot you can do about that. Most of the interactions I have with the people who come on the podcast are done through email or possibly Facebook. And it's not until that exact moment where you ring them up on Skype in my case. Um, and you have that little introductory moment where you sort of banter a little bit and you you do get an impression don't you of oh this is going to be a really good one because this person's really excited or they're really eloquent or they've just got an authority in their voice um yeah i I know exactly what you mean it's it's a strange thing i'm so glad that i've sort of fallen into this though it really there's something about it that kind of speaks to me and i'm i'm really pleased that i did it were there any are there any times that you've um sort of got like really fed up with creating content and you've, I don't know, maybe you have turned around to people close to you and just said, no, absolutely no more of this. I am totally done with it. Um, you know, I just want a steady job with a paycheck. Yeah, there has been times. I mean, my <laughs> wife and I, it, you know, we've, um, we've had our own business for about 25 years and the, and in, in that in the whole concept of you know just not content just running your own business and and the ups and downs of that there's yeah there's been times i've seriously thought about man i could really handle having somebody just give me a check every mm-hmm. you know week every month or whatever and you know as time goes by and the more you do this for yourself there's then there's other little uh, devils that rear their head and pop over your shoulder and say mm-hmm could you really handle working for somebody again yeah, after this yeah, long or, yeah. you know, and you know, I'm also at an age where, especially in technology, uh, a lot of people don't look for hiring people at certain demographics, you know, for <laughs> technical positions, especially in a lot of the space. And that's kind of a, you know, an unfortunate thing, but that's the way it is. So mm. yeah, there has definitely been times that I've just thought, man, just screw it. I, I wish I could just, you know, <laughs> say whatever or, or go to somebody. I was joking around with some hosting company one time, one of the hosting companies, and I said, you want to just buy my blog and I'll just work for you? Can it be your blog now? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, just, and then you could just pay me. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, and, and as much as we all like to say in this industry or in this space where you're working for yourself and, you know, that everything is, you know, everybody's always happy and they're passionate and they're doing what they love. And they're just, yeah, I imagine they have their times too. Sometimes they are just for, yeah. if it's even for a short moment, they go, mm, Well, boy, most people know. get to sort of, um, you sort of bury it, don't you? Or your, empl- your, your colleagues know about it. In, in, our, yeah. in this situation, you know, the, the, the podcasting and the blogging work that you do, it's quite an isolating thing, really, isn't it? You know, you've got, obviously, if you've got your family, they get to know about it and that's great. But, 
It's yeah, yeah. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, I'm I'm not at that point. I still really, really like doing this podcast. It's is without doubt my favourite bit of the week. But there's mm-hmm. definitely been moments where that thing has stared over my shoulder, um, just sort of n- n- nag- nagging me a little bit and sort of saying, "You should be doing something else." You know, there's a better use of your time than <laughs> right. doing this podcast. But I've I've managed to we've managed to churn out one a week. We, we've gone for the approach of one a week on like you know, oh yeah and yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah so do, does your excuse me this i know that in this country at least anyway talking about money is a really difficult subject and whilst i'm not going to ask you to disclose figures or anything like that do you do you find that your new content only approach to life do, does it provide you with that sort of stability or does is it very uppy downy you know it's it's kind of been a transition for me because mm. you 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 are looking at monetizing your site, basically. Mm. So I, I've done different parts of it, and it is it is an up and down thing. And you're going to, you know, there's going to be this sweet spot you're going to find, and you're going to have to find some balance there, or whatever. Mm. But yeah, it, it I for my podcast, you know, I was having sponsors for quite some time, and I know a lot of podcasts have sponsors, and it got to a point where the sponsorship was not that I felt they were tying my hands, but more or less, I just was tired of, I I essentially felt like I was, even though they didn't take it that way, I was begging for money all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was more of a personal, you know, decision, not so much as a, you know, it should be a monetary decision, but it was a personal decision because I just, you know, all these people I was talking to all the time, I've, considered colleagues, friends in the space. And yeah, so there is a constant challenge of tweaking how you, and how how you have to kind of fight certain, like affiliate marketing. People have this image of affiliate marketing as, you know, we're the, we're um, devils from the abyss of hell or something. And we, you know, (laughs) whatever. And it's like, no, we're people trying to make a living and we are doing it we feel in the right way or in a way that, you know, doesn't cause you any pain, doesn't make the content any less um, useful for you. Mm. So there's, so there's that constant, yeah, you got to work it and massage it. And yeah, it's, it can be a challenge going to this. And, you know, unfortunately I'm not like a lot of the big, you know, some of these people in the space that can do something like this and they can, you know, just, Hey, People just give them money, throw money left and right because they've got, you know, millions of people that adore them and, you know, fondle over them and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's it can be challenging. And I think, you know, that that whole adage of, you know, passive income and all that stuff, that's a bunch of crap as far as I'm concerned, because, you know, it really <laughs> nothing I'm doing. I mean, passive, you always work up to that passive income, yeah. you know, and then it then income can be passive in a way, but then you're continuing to do other things to create more of that supposed passive income. So it's it's constantly working to become passive. So I, I don't yep. know. That's kind no, of no. I, I know exactly. What you, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, it's a difficult one because I think the, the the sponsorship thing, which you've clearly decided to sort of leave behind, 
that that in a way is much more steady isn't it and um mm. but in my case hard to find because I, I don't really make much of an effort with that i'm I, it's just not really me um mm. so i don't try very hard with that but then the affiliate but it doesn't sort of have that sort of sleaze or whatever attached to it whereas the affiliate marketing does get tarred with that brush but but i agree with you um if you're putting out the content and so long as it's not you know completely obvious clickbait and you're doing yeah. something that's worthwhile and i really like your approach to it you're really you've got a really honest approach you know you you say quite explicitly um you know here's a bunch of links they've got a great big page full of them and it would be really nice if you buy any of these things because of all the other stuff i've been doing all these years um why not buy it through my links and sort of buy me a biscuit i think that's great i really like yeah. that approach yeah and that's the way you gotta approach yeah. it i mean it's it's and like i said it's a something that a lot of people love the idea of it and the concept behind it but it does take some serious time and a, mm. a lot of effort to really get it to even start working for you, yeah. you know, at a certain level. How do you, um, so sort of going to come onto the final couple of questions, if that's all right. Um, mm-hmm. how do you actually keep yourself kind of efficient? You mentioned a minute ago, maybe it was before we started the call. I can't remember that you, you sort of like post-it notes or a board or something like that, because I, I'm, you know, it's difficult for me. I've, I've got like three or four people, juggling at the same time for this podcast and that's that's all I've got going on and I struggle to know where I'm supposed to be (laughs) you're doing like 50 times the amount I'm doing how do you I mean do you begin something and end something do you use Asana or Trello or I'm just really interested basically I'm just stealing your brain yeah (laughs) just dumping your brain um how do you do it how do you manage all the stuff that you've got to do you know I've I, I'm a I'm a horrible um, multitasker, and I don't yeah. mean I do it horribly. I do it madly. I, I my wife is just she has to start a project and, and complete a project. I bop around between projects really easy. So I at any time can have several posts going on, and oh, which one? Oh, I have a thought on this one. I'm going there and do this or whatever. I don't have a real hmm. method to my madness. I mean, I, I do a lot. I do have an editorial calendar, although um, as I was explaining to you before the show, it's very uh, – it's changing all the time. Hmm. The editorial calendar, probably people love the idea of getting things down, getting them pat down, don't worry about it. Well, me, I'm always – oh, move this post over here because now I have this idea and I'd like to push this out because of this reason or the timing of this. So I'm constantly juggling it. So it becomes a calendar of, you know, things that come and go a lot. Uh, I, my content, I, I just keep notes. I keep notes, you know, some stuff in Evernote. I, um, I'm not real organized with like a Trello. I mean, I've used some of these, tools before with other projects with people and they just don't work for me they're too there's something about it i feel like i spend more time working on that yeah actually doing that than actually doing the content so i'll i'll like if i get an idea for a post i'll go in and i'll start it as a draft i'll just jump into my dashboard type put the title put a couple lines in it save it as a draft and then it's on my editorial calendar and i can go back and Oh yeah, I remember I was going to do that. So it's kind of a weird way of doing it, yeah. but it works for me because it's right there visually because that's where I spend most of my time anyway. Yeah, and um, you know I use Google Docs for my podcast to kind of do show notes and keep you know 
be able to send that out and keep it organized. I don't have an optimal uh, process because there's sometimes I go, you know, I'll lose something or, you know, where did I put this? Or, you know, I thought I saved it here and it's over somewhere else or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot. And I think it's just kind of the nature of how I work. Yep. You're, I, you're totally the antithesis of me in that respect. I, I would love to have that, um, that ability to flit from one thing to the other. But my, my, it turns out my memory is like that of a goldfish um, <laughs> in that I can barely remember what I was writing five minutes ago, let alone, you know, what I was writing yesterday on this blog post over here. I guess yeah. it's just horses for courses. Yours, your, your methodology, your, your ability to do that though, I think is, is key to you being able to produce a lot of content. I would be, I would be fixated on producing this one bit until it was finished and then I'd press go and, and thereby I would hardly ever press go, you know, yeah. the publish <laughs> button never gets touched. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I think we could probably talk for another half an hour, but that's kind of the sweet spot for us. Um, I've yeah, really right. enjoyed that. Basically, I feel that I've brought you onto the podcast so that I can steal everything you've done <laughs> over the last over the last few years you know that's brilliant um anything you'd like to say before we knock it on the head you know i think boy i i it's always one of those things you wish you had some epiphany or words of wisdom and stuff but um you know i i think the most thing the the anything i can and i've said this a lot in the other podcasts is i think i've for both my wife and i because we're the same way what has gotten us to where we are and what continues to get us along is the flexibility. Mm. I think it being flexible and especially in this technology age, I mean, you know, WordPress, Gutenberg, all this stuff that's coming up and everybody, you know, and I understand there's a lot of reason behind the sweating and, you know, especially if you have products involved and all this stuff, but I let things kind of, you know, slide off me and I don't, uh, I don't, oh, how do you say, I, I don't sit obsess? there and wallow in yeah. some, yeah, obsess, that's it. I don't obsess all these things. Something changes, I I look at it and I think, okay, this is going to be a challenge here. I can see why it's changing here. Okay, I'll do it, I'll move on. And that's the way, even with Gutenberg, I feel this way. And mm. I feel this way with a lot of things in the WordPress. And I don't think, I think I would have, ended up being, you know, in some Slack channel um, debating issues for five hours if I wasn't. <laughs> or, you know, I'd be frozen at the computer thinking, oh, this has happened now, the world's ending type of thing. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, I, I got to just move on. And if it's something that I have no control over it, and it's, it's, uh, it's like having the online courses that didn't work out for us. Yeah. I, I didn't, you know, just keep agonizing over why didn't these work? They just didn't work. Okay. Now I've got to move on and think of, you know, what the next step is. So be flexible. That, yeah. Yep. That's it. That's a good, that's a, uh, this podcast is going to be called that, isn't it? Be flexible. Be flexible. By, by Bob <laughs> Don. Um, yeah. Just one other question, actually. It's just popped into my head that I was thinking a few moments ago. You you always come across as really like very relaxed, you know, um, a very calm figure. Um, firstly, I'm sure that's true. You're probably 
maybe you'll deny that. I don't know. But are you are you calm in all situations? In you know, if I was to put you on a stage at WordCamp Europe with three thousand people in front of you, do you can you can you keep that perspective and that calm and that flexibility uh, in all situations? You know, I would say almost all. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is it is a pretty much a natural feel feel for me. I'm I'm a very my wife always she calls me bright side Bob because <laughs> I'm always looking on the bright side. So I don't it it takes a lot to ruffle my feathers. Yeah. And if they are ruffled, it's 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 pretty short lived. I mean, mm. you have to do something pretty, pretty mean and nasty, you know. And so I yeah, I'm a pretty mellow kind of guy. Yeah. And that's that's just how I am. I'm one of those I'm around people know I'm around, but I'm not like in your face all the time yeah. or you know, it's it's just yeah it it's part of my part of my chemistry i guess you know and and then sure i have my moments of anxiety and stress and whatever like anybody does in life but i try not to hang on to those too long um down about 400 feet from my uh, house is a pub and in that pub i go quite a lot and i stand and i talk to people um, because that's what I like to do of an evening. And, mm. uh, as, as we've been talking, it's just occurred to me that I should really like to meet you in the pub one day, yeah, <laughs> stand <really>. and yeah. <laughs> one arm on the bar and just have a natter. I think that'd be really nice. Bob, Bob WP, Bob Don, whatever, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every moment of it. I wish it could have gone on longer, but, um, I'm, I'm going to say, um, sayonara from me and, um, maybe you could sign off as well. Well, I got to tell you, this is um, this has been great. You know, I, I'd actually love to be on again someday. You yeah, know, if we continue the conversation. Um, but, how's, yeah, how's next I, Thursday? <laughs> yeah, really. All righty. <laughs> it's the weekly. It's the weekly. What is it? Psychology yeah. session. Lie down on the couch. Tell right. me about your father. <laughs> no, but right. this has this has been a, a true joy. So great. I really enjoyed it. And I oh, appreciate you. and you're you're doing a great job and I love your style. Um, you know, we could like you said, I feel like we could talk and go on and on yeah. and on. So yeah, I, well yeah, I thank you very much for having me on. I'm gonna press stop and we'll probably natter for a bit after this as well. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> okay, take care. And in fact, we are back again on the www.impactbnd.com site where there are 20 stats and facts you can't ignore in your website redesign. We're looking at number three. We love coming back to this article, don't we? Because it's just lots of amusing stuff in it. So number three is when we focus on one thing, we ignore other things around us. And this happens a lot on the web because we are very task focused. It's apparently called inattentional blindness, um, yes. and and I am I'm totally in agreement with this. I absolutely focus on the thing that I like on the page, and I get really like quite annoyed when things interrupt that. So you know, modern marketeers pop ups mm. and things. I find that really disconcerting and annoying. And on this particular page, despite the fact mm. that they've written that. They've got um, they've got a they've got a blue opt-in box for a, an ebook, and it it rolls in no matter where you scroll on the page, it follows you around, and I'm, I can completely ignore that. Uh, but then as soon as I notice it, it annoys me. Um, yes. But but I'm ignoring all the icons on the left and all the right, and I'm focusing entirely 
on the single bit of text. So yes, I completely subscribe to this and I guess that that's, this distills beautifully what the job of a website builder is, isn't it? It's just to, to make sure that the thing that you want people to focus on is right there and everybody's focusing on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I understand it best when I think of selective hearing because I definitely know I do that. Mm. When we start recording or anything, I hear all the outside noises I never heard <laughs> through the rest of the day. Oh, really? I'm, yeah, it's really weird. I, I don't notice anything outside. And then suddenly, as soon as I'm aware that we need to record and it needs to be quiet, then I hear everything. Yeah. I am. Um, I, I really struggle with my hearing in a crowded situation because it turns out that background noise to me is much louder than the thing that I want to concentrate on. And I don't know why that is, but I've noticed that in any situation, if I'm in a crowded room, everybody can talk to each other, but I, I simply can't do it. Um, and I, I think there's probably quite a lot of psychology going on here you know i was saying to you just before we started recording this that that little that little blue thing on some level this little blue opt-in box which is floating up and down on some level it's annoying me um it's yes. not pricking me saying you know it's not actually making me cross but on some level the fact that it's scrolling and it's trying very hard to to pull the attention away is is yeah. turning me off it and i think actually i'm not going to fill it in just because you've tried a bit too hard with that and I know that certainly internet marketers, they're desperate to shut down all the noise, aren't they? And they take away all the menus and everything is simply a stream of just one thing to look at in the in the hopes of keeping your attention on this one thing and not allowing you to, to go anywhere else. Mm. I'm not so sure about that, to be honest. I, I think it's I th my opinion about um, landing pages is probably different to most people in the marketing industry, but I, I don't really like them too much. I don't really know why. Yeah. Do you know, I love anybody who's listened to this to tell me if there's any research that says whether if you remove the navigation, it actually does help on landing pages, because I wonder if this one has actually been tested. So I'd love it to be proved to me. I would I would be really interesting to know also as well if um, if the reading habits of people have changed. You know, we've now got a generation who've grown up with the Internet. And I wonder um, if, you know, we talked about attention span being different because of the Internet and it's gone down according to this exact same page, actually. But I wonder mm. if our the way that our eyes flit around and the way that we scan and browse a page. So, for example, if, if I hold a nonfiction book in my hand, mm. would I view that differently? Um, I, I know that um, at my local school, the teachers say that very often the, the kids will come into school and they will um, try to scroll on the computer screen, even though it's an old mm. computer that doesn't do that, just because they're used to that methodology of navigating things. And you mm. wonder if, um, you know, that quaint trope that sometimes comes out in science fiction stories where, oh, look, it's a book. Oh, I didn't know they still existed. You wonder <laughs> if, um, if habits are changing and attention spans um, and, and focus in this particular case is altering because of the way that um, web pages are designed. Yeah. Well, I just think we're really clever anyway as human beings. We've got all this data bombarding us all the time, visual and audio, and we know what to single out to listen to. You know, yeah. in, in lots of people talking, we recognize people we know and love, you know, over other sounds, which are exactly the same, if, if you like, uh, in terms of level, volume and, and timbre and stuff like that. We can still pick out things. And I think we just adjust, don't we, to what's around us. Mm. I guess the Internet marketers try to disrupt that all the time. Um, yeah. you know, uh, flashing text or something scrolling in or something popping up. And 
um, and we we just still have the ability to to sort of remove it from our consciousness and focus on the things that matters. Right there, you go. There you go. Good yeah. fact. I like that one. Well, well spotted, David. Thank you. Okay, if that's the case, we're done. We're done for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure having you on. Please share this on you know on Facebook or Twitter or yeah you know basically spoil everybody's attention and try to get them to uh, to follow the podcast. That would be great. My name's Nathan Wrigley. And I'm David Wormsley. And we will see you on the next episode next week. Thanks for listening. Take care. Cheesy music. Hugh. Thank you.